Hey, good evening. Don't you like this? It's revival on wheels. I think it's awesome. Everybody good? Man, I, I am going to preach what I came to preach tonight after two false starts. But we're just going to take a little detour before we get there. I want to, uh, we're gonna sh- I'm going to show you a couple of videos first, and, um, but before we just do that, um, you know, I, I love to see people healed, and it's, it's the renewing of the mind that I'm after. I want to see, it's the, it's the renewed mind that reveals the glory of God. I, I want to see the church come into kingdom thinking, not false thinking, and the more that we align ourselves to the gospel, of what, of what the Bible says, the more that we'll see. You know, God never sent sickness to teach you a lesson. He sent Jesus Christ to teach sickness a lesson. If you don't hear anything else this weekend, hear that. Because half of the church believes that he sent sickness to teach us a lesson. He didn't. But through the sickness, we learn lessons. But that's a long way from saying that Jesus, that God sent the sickness to teach you a lesson. I, I wrote an article that uh, I want to read this article to you, and then I'm going to play you two videos. And it says the article's headed up Are special needs conditions from God, or does God want them healed? It says this is a subject that has created me the most controversial feedback over the last few years. And in a few cases, I have, I have received some extremely hateful email over it. Let me, let me say this from the outset. I have a special needs daughter, so I write this from a place of compassion and incredible love for the parents of special needs and the children themselves. I have seen the chaos and the construction, uh, destruction that autism and conditions of the like have brought into many families. I see so many families looking for peace because they're worn out and they're frustrated and not getting the answers they've so longed for. What I've seen is a rising politically correct spirit saying we need to accept them as they are or celebrate neurodiversity. Interesting enough, I've never seen celebrate cancer, never heard of celebrate cancer day. Many times we have have conformed to this political spirit that we would want to label autism and the conditions alike as normal. We as believers often make the identity of the child and the condition of the child as one. Several months ago, I passed a a public comment, and I said, I love the children, but I hate autism. I received uh, several vicious letters. Please hear my heart on this. We must clearly pull the identity and the condition apart, but uh, but when we can't pull these two things apart, what people just heard me say is that I hate children with special needs. I, I have just in the last week completed a special needs healing service in Hong Kong. What an incredible delight and a privilege to spend time with these precious ones. Most of the time I was on the floor with kids climbing over me and hugging me. What a treat to be able to, be, to, be able to love on them, minister to them, and make them my new precious friends. As parents, we want peace. And because we have failed to see healing in the children, we have come to a place that we have come to a, a, a peace with what the world has told us, that autism or special needs are normal. And what religion has told us is that special needs and autism are from God. But this is not the peace of God, but a peace that the world would give. 
So one, when some parents hear that, test, that autism can be healed, their foundations of their peace are shaken because they, they've already come to reconciliation in their hearts in the search for peace that the condition is from God. Friends, the peace the world gives is not the peace that God gives. Peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone, Jesus. I'd like to encourage you that as believers, we don't need peace with God. We already have peace with God. I'm going to share a little bit about that tonight. Uh, yes, we have our special needs. Yes, we love our special needs children just as they are. We accept the children just as we are, but the, but the condition is not the identity. I love the children. I hate the condition. The child is the absolute perfect gift from God, but the condition is not from him. We are created in his image, Genesis 1.26, and he does not have autism or special needs. Psalm 107 verse 20 says that it does not say that he sent autism, sickness, and special needs, but it says that he sent his word to heal them. One boy came for prayer right after he received, uh, so, I'm sorry, one boy that came for prayer right before he received prayer told his mother that he no longer wants to be healed. He had a very artistic gift and thought that if he was healed, he'd lose the gift. With such wisdom, his mother said to, him, said to him, do you not think God is bigger than that? He received ministry and was healed and continues in his incredible artistic gift. That, that boy's story is actually in the perfect gift, uh, the, the book that's out there. Uh, we, we, would, sorry, we, uh, we would have heard, don't, give up on, don't get your hopes up. We should be living with our hopes up. I want to encourage you to be established in God's peace. Live in hope and expectation that today is a great day for a miracle. Live in a place of incredible contentment. Our contentment should not be in the miracle, but our contentment should be in Christ alone. We have an audio teaching called The Spirit That Destroys Chaos. This is the revelation I received from the word that God gave me to see autism healed. And today we're getting a number, a number of testimonies of either significant or full breakthrough. I love you and it is great. Joy to minister to these special needs kids. Much love, Chris. I want to. I want to play a. I want to play a video to you. And um, this happened at Mother's Day, uh, Mother's Day last year. It was the the joy of my life. It was just one of those things that you look back on, and it's like, oh man, what a what a treat to be to be involved in that. And uh, it's a. Um, we had a number of uh, kids that were coming to us that had special needs and they wanted to be baptized but obviously for you know for reasons of you know sensory overload and etc etc some of them didn't feel like they could be baptized in a public meeting so we put on a little private baptism for them and some of them had huge huge fears of water and uh, so some of them would go in the water some of them wouldn't weren't able to go under the water because you know some of them were some of them are so disabled that if we put them under the water, they would have died. I mean, they would have just simply drowned. They don't have the ability to breathe, you know, you know what I'm saying. And, uh, and some just couldn't be put under the water. So we, we, I can tell you something is that I, I find it really sad when I even get attacked on the baptism. That what right do you have to baptize children that don't understand that maybe don't even understand baptism, I, I think that perhaps they might understand it just maybe a little more than us. We need to be a people that, that can celebrate in the simplicity of the faith of where this child is at. Who, who are we to judge where they're at? 
And uh, it was just a, it was an absolute, it was a, it was a beautiful moment. And I can tell you one thing is that there's just a lot of grace in this baptism. So can we, uh, can we, play, can we play that now and just uh, enjoy this and weep? breathe now. put on the uh, can we put on the other video the testimony video 
This is a this is an amazing miracle of what happened at our healing school uh, in May. Amazing, right? <laughs> we have technical problems. We have technical problems. Tell me if you get it working or we'll come back to it. Isn't that a powerful video? And so. You know, I have a, I have such a heart to see to see children with autism. It's not autistic children; it's children with autism, and just mental health healed in general. And it's not it's not just autism. It's you know children with disabilities. It's it's adults. It's post traumatic stress disorder. It's um, depression. It's you know the list goes on. Bipolar, schizophrenia. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, disassociate identity disorder, uh, body morphic disorder. I mean, the list, there's just there's so many of them. And I've been on this. I want to share with you tonight. Uh, it's a two-part message, and I'm going to try and blend it into, into one part and just give you the one message. But I, I want to share with you tonight uh, just something that God had laid on my heart over the last few years, and it was a, more of a journey of, of walking into and seeing uh, and, and how to see breakthrough in this area. You know, the Lord said to me a couple of years ago, he said, how, how much more would you see if you use faith to recognize the one that lives in you? And I went on this journey of like, I, all I'm going to focus on is Christ in me. That's all I was going to do. I wasn't going to be introspective about my faith and whether I had the faith to heal them. I was just going to recognize Christ in me. And the Bible says that it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So I'm just walking around and I'm just trying to recognize the one, the one that lives in me. It's Christ in me. So you know, it is, it is my, our identity is us in Christ and it is Christ in us. And, and I went to, uh, I, I was teaching at a, uh, at a first year class uh, it was probably five years ago now, and I was teaching in this class, and and, and out of uh, Mark chapter five, could you get my glasses out of my bag, please? <laughs> I need longer arms. <laughs> I just opened it up, and it's like, oh my goodness, I don't even know what it says. It says in uh, Mark chapter 5, it's the story of the woman of the issue of blood. And it says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. And she spent all that she had and she grew no better, but she rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind the crowd and she touched his garment and she said, 
If I only may touch the hem of his garment or the hem of his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you ask me who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and she fell down before him and she told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Woman, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Verse, that's verse 34. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Well, it's interesting that she was already healed. She was actually already healed when she touched the hem of his garment, but yet Jesus turns to the woman and he says, Woman, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. In Acts 16.36, the jailer says to Paul, Go in peace. He gets out of prison and he says, Go in peace. But here we have, we have a Jesus saying to the woman with the issue of blood, also go in peace, but Acts 16.36, where the jailer says go in peace, when Jesus says go in peace are two completely different meanings. See, in Acts, I'm sorry, in, uh, in Mark chapter 5, when Jesus says go in peace, the correct translation should actually be go into peace. Now, there's a big difference between go in peace and go into peace. And I'd like to propose to you that I, I believe that Jesus is perhaps giving us here one of the greatest keys to walking in divine health. Is that we actually learn to stay in peace despite the circumstances of what we're walking through. We'll, we'll come back to that. So I'm on this journey of, of understanding, like, God, I, I, I'm just going to use faith to recognize the one that lives in me. And I'm, I'm walking around, I'm not trying any harder, I'm just focusing on the one that lives in me. And I, I started to wonder, I wonder if we can actually heal people by just recognizing the one that lives in us, by simply showing up and shifting an atmosphere just because you showed up. See, I, I want to propose to you this morning, or tonight, I want to propose to you that a Christian that can stay in peace regardless of what they face actually becomes the tormentor. But yet we're being taught, religion has taught us that the devil is the tormentor. I do not believe the devil is the tormentor. I believe the devil is the tormented. And a Christian that knows who they are, that it's Christ in them, has the ability to be the tormentor that we have the ability to torment the devil when we can stay in peace because the number one thing the enemy wants to do is he wants to steal your peace. See, how much more could we see if we use faith to recognize just the one that lives in us, we would actually walk in a greater dimension of peace. We would walk in the... See, what Jesus is actually saying is go into, the, go into shalom like you'd walk into a house or you'd walk into the realm of shalom. So this most unusual thing happened. And I think I've shared a piece of this here before. We're just skipping over part one to get to part two as quick as we can. 
So the most unusual thing happened. This is about four years ago. I walk into a classroom of teaching some uh, first year students and I was talking to them about the power of peace and the importance that it is that we actually stay in peace despite all of our circumstances. And I, I turned to uh, Mark chapter 5 and, I, and I, I mentioned out of Mark 5 the, the power of staying in peace. And now some unusual things had, had begun. Hello? <laughs> well, song <on> cue. <laughs> some unusual things. Some unusual things had, had began to happen through my life, not because I was trying any harder or praying any different. I was just purely recognizing the one that lives in me. I, I walk up and, I, and I, I, stood in, I stood in front of a man. And I, and I said to this man on the front row of these students, about 120 students, I said, and Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, go into peace. Your faith has made your whole go into peace. And I stopped and I said, ah, oh, I'm sorry, you wouldn't have that problem. Referring to not necessarily that men lose their peace, referring to the issue of blood. And I, and I walked along the line to a lady on the line and I said, and Jesus said to the woman of the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole, go into peace. And I, and I carried on. It was just a bit of a lesson on walking in peace. And I, and I carried on. That was a Tuesday. Friday night, she comes up to me and she says, you remember me? And I'm like, no. <laughs> she said, do you remember teaching the other day? And I'm like, depends what day. <laughs> like, no, not really. And she said, it was in our healing class and you're talking about peace. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. She said, do you remember me now? And I said, no. <laughs> she said, do you remember when you stood in front of a man and you said, and Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made your whole go into peace. And I said, yes. And she said, but then you said, but you wouldn't have that problem. And you stood next to a lady and you said, and Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made your whole go into peace. And I said, yes. And she said, I'm that lady. And she said, I got healed that day while you stood in front of me. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I wasn't trying, you know, I wasn't like, like, I'm just aware of the Jesus that lives in me. It's just like I say, what I've been focusing on. And she said, Pastor Chris, I got healed. And I'm like, hey, that's awesome. I said, what did you get healed of? And she said, I was healed of polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I said, really? I said, uh, being a naive male, I said, uh, how'd you know? She goes, got my first period. <laughs> she said, I never had one. She said, all this I ever wanted to do is have kids, and the doctor told me it's going to be very difficult to ever conceive because I can't have a period. Now, if you're offended about one, some of the stuff I'm about to say, then too bad. <laughs> <laughs> And I, 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 I grabbed I grab the lady's hand, the young lady's hand, and I, and I said, yeah, watch out, Mary. I, I grabbed the young lady's hand and I said, go home and make some babies. <laughs> Spiritual ones for you. And I said, that is a purity ring, right? And she goes... I'm sorry, I said, that is a wedding ring, right? And she goes, 
No, it's a purity ring. And I said, you get married first <laughs> to a man and make, some, and make some babies. And she goes, I want to tell the whole class about my period. And I'm like, well, I'm not. <laughs> she goes, I'm going to tell them next week. Can I take the microphone? Can I get up and share about my period? And I'm like, of course you can. Like, you go for it. So she gets up in the front of the class and she said, class, I want to tell you about a miracle that happened last week. She said, last Tuesday when Pastor Chris stood in front of that man and then he stood in front of me, she goes, oh, boom, my period starts. And we're like, yay, periods. And this lady stands up in the back of the class and she goes, that's so weird. She goes, I've gone through premature menopause and I haven't had a period for five years. And when he said that, boom, my period started. <laughs> and another lady stands up and she goes, oh, mine too. Like, I've been having complications and my period started when he said, go into peace. And I'm like, oh, dear God, I don't want to be known as the period guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, go, I go to Sri Lanka. I, the only thing that had changed was me using faith to recognize the one that lives in me. That's the only thing that had changed. And I'm focusing on the power of peace, of letting peace rule in my life, not being sucked into the circumstances of what goes in in our life, not, not allowing anything to rob my peace. And so a, a few weeks later, I'm... I'm sharing at Bethel on a Sunday night at, as, at our secondary campus, and I'm, and I'm sharing about the power of peace, and I'm sharing these three testimonies. And, and this lady comes down off the platform, and she taps me on the shoulder, and she says, Pastor Chris, uh, can I share a testimony with you? And I'm like, uh, it's about a period, isn't it? <laughs> and she goes, well, I see that you're not embarrassed to talk about women's periods. I said, why should I be? I've got a wife and three, three teenage daughters. Happens four times a month in my house. It's not called a monthly, it's called a weekly. It's not called PMT, it's called PMB. Pack my bags, I'm going traveling. Time for another trip. She said, a number of weeks ago, you came into our class. And she said, and you stood in front of that man and you said, your faith has made you well, go into peace. You remember? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. I remember that. And she goes, and then you stood next to a lady and you said, your faith has made you whole, go into peace. And remember, she got a period. And I'm like, uh -huh, uh -huh. she goes, I'm the lady next to the lady. I'm like, oh, really? And she goes, yep. She says, I haven't had a period for 18 months. She said, my mum died, and I was holding my mum, believing in the resurrection of my mother, that she would be resurrected, and she never came back. And I blame myself for my lack of faith for my mother not coming back. She said, not only did I get healed of that in your class, but she said, a number of my body functions shut down over the 18 months, Everything is back. Everything came back except my period. And I'm like, uh-huh. 
And she goes, and when you stood in front of that lady and you said, your faith has made you whole, go in peace, boom, my period starts right on there. She goes, do you not remember me running out of class? And I'm like, yep, I thought I upset you. That's why you left. And she goes, nope, I had to take care of something. She said, do you not remember me coming back in with a smile on my face? And I'm like, I do remember that. She goes, my period is back and I've got it regularly. And I'm like, wow. And I, I tell you, I, I'm just fascinated at how much we could actually see in our lives if we use faith to recognize the one that lives in us and that we actually stay in peace and we don't allow the circumstances of life to rob our peace. Are you guys with me? So the stories go on, and i got, I got many unusual stories that I could share for you, but for the sake of time, I don't want to because this is, this is part one. I think I shared this message here. I, I, I don't know. It's probably all new people. You probably wouldn't remember anyway. I go into Trader Joe's. You have Trader Joe's here, right? I go into Trader Joe's, and I, I buy, I'm buying a salad. And I, I pick up a Greek salad, and I'm looking at the back of it, you know, because, you know, I don't, I don't eat sugar, so I'm looking at the back, making sure it's got no sugar. And, I, and I'm like, eh. And I put it back down and pick up another one, but there's a student watching, and she wants that salad. We've got 2,500 students. They know me. I don't know them. She's watching, and she's, she wants the one salad I'm holding. I put, the salad, I put the salad down because I decided to get something different. She scoops in behind me, picks up the salad off the shelf right behind me, but she's failed to have a period for 18 months right there in Trader Joe's. Boom, on the spot, her period starts. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness, they, this, they, they, they get worse and worse. Well, better and better, <laughs> whatever, you, whatever way you look at it. I have lost count of the ladies who are unable to conceive and have babies that have gone on to have babies. I have, got, I have had photos emailed to me from all around the world, can't have a baby, and here's my baby. My wife told me I'm getting really good at getting other ladies pregnant. <laughs> I promise I didn't touch them. I'm just recognizing the one that lives in me, and I refuse to allow anything to steal my peace. I was, in, I was in New Zealand, and a friend of mine has two girls. They're both married. Both of them can't have kids. I, I didn't know he had two girls. I didn't know he had kids. I just, you know, he's just a guy that I know. He stands up in the meeting on behalf of his daughters and he did a prophetic act that we're going to do at the end. He stands up, and within five weeks of standing up, both of his daughters, after five years of trying, both fell pregnant. I was in, I, I was in Japan. Oh, here's a funny one. I'll tell you this one first. I was in San Diego. And apparently I started the meeting like this. Who wants to have babies? And this couple put up their hand and said, we do. And I'm like, come up the front. We're gonna, you're going to have some. I said, come up here. How many do you want? And he goes, two. And she goes, one. 
at the same time, 2-1. And I'm like, guys, guys, we need to come into an agreement here. Is it two or is it one? And they look at each other and I'm like, I'll come back. You guys talk, work it out. I go away for a couple of minutes and I come back and I'm like, did you work it out? And they're like, yeah, we want two. I said, awesome. Do you want them one at a time or do you want twins? And they're like, well, twins would be awesome. And I'm like, all right. So we did a little prophetic act and they stepped into the place of peace, into the realm of shalom. And I said, all right, well, unless you believe in the immaculate conception, like faith needs an action. I get an email from them within a couple of months and they're like, Pastor Chris, you, you, you never believe what happened. I'm like, reading on, and they attached a video to it of a gender revealing party. Notice it was a gender revealing party, not a neutral gender. Just saying, I'm going to push this thing because I am not politically sensitive. She said, we came to your meeting and we're the ones that told you that we wanted, you know, we didn't know what we wanted and we told you we wanted two and twins and she says, I'm pregnant. She says, but it's not twins, it's triplets. (laughs) I, I think God just looked at them and said, oh, hold on, he said two, she said one, two plus one is three. We've got to be specific when we bring our needs to God. Like, let's really tell God and you know, exactly what we want. Don't come with waffly prayers. Like, tell him what you're after. His desires, your desires are his desires. I'm in Japan may, maybe three weeks ago. It's probably three weeks at the most. Three, maybe four. Three or four weeks ago. And I, I just preached this message. A, the church is called 21st Century Church. Amazing church. No, no churches in Japan are big. So there's maybe 300 people there. And I, I just preached this message, and I go to dinner with the pastor afterwards. And he takes me to this really nice restaurant. As a, a testimony, it was my first testimony, it was the restaurant. I ate a $750 steak. Thank you, Jesus. It's called Revival on a Plate. I ate it slowly and I enjoyed every mouthful. There are three of us in the restaurant, and it was in a private restaurant within a it's a private restaurant within the restaurant. We had three waiters for the three of us and a private chef cooking for us. Man, I can taste that cow right now. <laughs> Okay, I'm back. And the waiter walks in, and he puts my meal down in front of me. And I heard the Lord say, ask him to give thanks for the food with you. Now, I never, I'm not generally interested in giving thanks for the food of the waiter. I'm more interested in eating. So it's not something I've ever done before. So please don't think it's this regular habit out of just, I just do it out of habit. I don't, I've never done it. In fact, I got it completely around the wrong order. I didn't ask him if we could say grace. I held his hand 
And then I said, would you give thanks for us for the food? I'm already holding his hand. He's probably wondering what the, what the heck's up. I'm holding his hand. And, he said, and I said, would you, give, would you just give thanks for us for the food? And he goes, yes. And he starts, and the pastor lady on the other side, her name is Joy. She holds his other hand. He starts shaking. He starts convulsing. He bursts into tears, and he hits the floor on his knees, and he's bawling like a baby on the floor. And I'm like, Ooh, what do I do now? <laughs> he's ruining, he's ruin, ruining my good steak. <laughs> and I turn to the pastor and I'm like, in the middle of the grace, I'm like, I'm praying grace and like, looking at the two of them, Isaac and Joy, like, anyways, we finished grace and I just put my hand on his back and I'm like, bless you, my friend, bless you. Konnichiwa. And he walks off, and I'm like, what was that about? And that we're all looking at each other like, I don't know, you know. And he comes in with Pastor Isaac's meal, and he puts the meal down, and I said, excuse me. I said, uh, if, would, would there be something that I could pray for you for? I'd love to pray for you. And he goes, whoa. He bursts into tears, and he's sobbing like a baby, and he goes, oh, there is. And I'm like, how can, how can I partner with you? He goes, my wife can't have a period. <laughs> he wasn't in the meeting. Like, he goes, my wife can't have a period and all as we want as a family. And they told us they could never have kids and I just want to be a dad. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I didn't laugh at him inside. I was laughing my head off. I'm like, dude, I said, this one's covered. I said, it's going to be okay. Peace to your heart. Peace. And I just put my arm around him and I said, Father, we thank you that, that his desires are your desires. And we just bless him for that. I said, my friend, it's going to be okay. It really is going to be okay. Peace. Like, smile. Like, it's going to be okay. We're not going to partner with fear. You're going to partner with peace. Okay. <laughs> we, we finish our meal, and it's a very high-class restaurant. They need to walk you to the car. And he, and he walks me out to the car, and he's standing there, and he goes, Would you just hug me? <laughs> I said, of course, I'll give you a hug. And we're just, we're hugging, and we're hugging out there in the cold. It was February in Japan. It was freezing. I'm, we're just, I'm hugging him. Thank you, thank you. He said, I have a specialist appointment on Monday with my wife to work out why she can't get pregnant. I'm like, dude, it's going to be okay. This one is covered. He doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know what I just preached on. He knows nothing. He goes, can I Facebook you? I'm like, yes. And he, I connect him to Facebook. And he goes, I'm going to Facebook you on Monday after our doctor's appointment. I'm like, I look forward to it. Goes to the doctor on Monday. And I hadn't heard from him. So I Facebook him. Hey, how'd you go with the doctor? He Facebooks me back straight away. And he goes, we're at the specialist right now. We we're just waiting to be called in. I'll be back soon. I'm like, About maybe an hour later. Pastor Chris, you never guess what? He says, I'm going to be a dad. She's, 
He said, we came here to work out why she can't get pregnant. She is. <laughs> Don't you just love Jesus? He, he's, just, he's just a funny guy. He's got, he's got a crazy sense of humor, and he, he, it's just his heart to want to heal people. See, I want to talk about the second part of the message because I, I want to carry on from where it says, Jesus said to the woman of the issue of blood, go into peace versus go into peace. See, too many times in life we, we partner with the prince of fear. We partner with fear or we partner with facts. But Jesus is not the prince of fear. He's the prince of peace and he doesn't bear witness with fact. He bears witness with truth. The doctor might give you a report. That's the report of fact. Please don't go to the doctor when the doctor says, any doctors in here? I hope hope there are. (laughs) Because I'm going to bless you. Thank you for being a good doctor. I, I need doctors. Or most of, many of my good friends are doctors. <laughs> now I forgot what I was going to say. Facts. Please don't go to the doctor when the doctor says, um, the report says you have cancer. You're a liar. I receive that doctor, you're a big liar. And we wonder why the doctor medical community hates the church. My friend, he's he's just telling you the fact. But it's okay because truth trumps fact. It's a matter of whose report you're gonna believe. That's his job to tell you facts. Please don't have an argument with the doctor that you don't have cancer. It's like That's the fact. But we're not going to focus on facts. We're going to focus on truth that he's actually our healer. Amen? See, the more that that we become aware of God living in us, the more we'll see. Our inner reality has to be greater than our external reality. You will not change an external reality around you when you've got a storm going on inside you. We have to become aware of the God of the impossible that lives inside us. But yet most believers have such a storm going on inside them, we wonder why we don't have authority on the atmosphere around us that we can never shift anything around us because the internal reality has to be greater than the external reality of the facts out there. See, how aware are you of the one that lives in you? How aware are you of the the king of the universe, the God of the impossible, the God that can do anything? Because you're actually at union with him. See, we as believers will never have authority over a storm, over the storm that we cannot sleep in. Are you sleeping in your storm? See, the disciples are out on the boat. And a great storm, a great storm cuts up. Where's Jesus? 
asleep. Where are the disciples? Flipping out. <laughs> oh, God, somebody wake him. We're going to die. He doesn't even care. Look at him. He's asleep. Do you realize it wasn't the noise of the storm that woke Jesus? I had a great storm and he's... I'm sure he wasn't snoring, his Jesus. <laughs> he's just fast asleep with his blankie pulled up and his head on a pillow and he's like... Oh. And the disciples like, wake him up! See, the disciples lost their peace, and that's why they never had authority over that storm, because they had no peace in the storm. Wake them up. Wake them up. And they go and they wake them up. You know what the Bible doesn't say? It doesn't say, and Jesus woke up and called out, Oh my God, where's my life jacket? We're going down. Why didn't you wake me up earlier? Because I might have been able to do something if you woke me up, but it's too late now. Jesus stands up and he says, he he rebukes the storm and he says, peace. And the storm is calmed. I tell you, as believers, we have to start partnering with peace because most of the people that I minister to have partnered with the wrong spirit and it takes longer to get them into a place of peace before they can even receive because they're partnered with the fact as opposed to partnering with the truth. They're thinking that they're going to die from the diagnosis that they've got and they're more concerned about that. They've come to an agreement with that as, an, as opposed to an agreement with life of God as our healer, our restorer, our redeemer, our deliverer, our creator. The one and only. See, I, I'm personally convinced that the greater that we can come to this greater place of peace is the more that we'll see. Now, I, I know what it is to lose peace. Trust me, I've been in the storm. And it's not that the storms don't come. I still got many storms in my life, like so many storms, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it. You, trust me, you don't want to be in my boat. But I've just learned how to pull up my blanket and put down my pillow, and it's like, you know what? I'm just going to sleep this one out. I'm going to speak to my storm, and I'm just going to have a little nap, and I'm not going to be overly concerned about what's happening in this storm right now. See, this message... The second part of this message which I'm sharing actually came out of an experience just a few years ago where I'm a New Zealander. I have very, I have no pigment in my skin. I'm not quite an albino, but not far off it. I, I, I am very, I am very pale. And New Zealand has some of the most harsh sun in the entire world. There is a massive hole over the ozone layer in New Zealand. I, I, I kid you not, Three minutes outside in the sun and I'm burnt. It is, it is that simple. I do not like the sun and the sun does not like me. So I'm under the care of a dermatologist here in California. And I go and see my dermatologist every, every couple of months just to get checked and make sure I'm doing okay and make sure nothing needs to be cut or burnt or snipped or clipped or whatever. And I go in to see my dermatologist for the first time because I had this thing on here that was just, a, it was just concerning me a little bit. I wasn't sure whether it was just a mark or a, 
something or a pimple or <laughs> what it was. It was just on my cheekbone. And I, I go in and I, she met me at the healing school. She doesn't go to our church. She goes to another church in our city. But she came to my healing school and she says, I'm a dermatologist. And she said, nah, my services are yours for free. Anytime you want one, here's my card. And I'm like, I'm going to take you up on that. Can I book an appointment? She says, call my office. It's all free. So I'm like, excellent. I like free. (laughs) I book an appointment with her, and I go in, and I sit in her office, and I'm like, hey, doctor. I said, I got this here, and I've also got some, got like a lump or something up here. I said, I'm not sure. Have I got cancer? And she goes, well, this is just pre-sun skin cancer. We just, just fries that off and it's gone. And I'm like, what have I got? What's this? She goes, let me have a look. She gets her little special glass thing and she's like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, what? She said, we need to watch the ad. And I'm like, do I have cancer? She goes, I don't know yet. She said, I want you to go home and apply this cream. I need to see you in two weeks. And I'm like, then what? She goes, if it's still there in two weeks, we're going to do a biopsy. And I'm like, what's that look like? She goes, well, we're going to take off your eyebrow. Now, I immediately go to, like, I'm a public speaker, right? (laughs) Imagine me preaching on one eyebrow. It's like, do I just take the other one off so you don't notice? And And she said, and we're going to dig that thing out and we're going to send it to pathology for them to check it out if it's still there. And she said, and if it is, if it is cancerous, we're going to do surgery and we're going to dig a little deeper. and and, And I'm like, okay. So she goes, I'll see you in two weeks. Here's the appointment date. Don't be late. And I'm like, okay. Do you know how much torment I lived in for two weeks? I, I was so tormented. I went home and I'm like, my mind runs away. That's how Paul says, take every thought captive. My, I forgot. My, 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 mind was, my mind was in the grave. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to lose my eyebrow. What if they have to, what if they've got to do surgery? What if they dig it out? What if, just what if the cancer's already in my eye, then I'm going to have to show up the preacher with a patch. (laughs) I might lose my eye and then I'm going to get a glass eye. What if it's gone to my brain? (laughs) I'm like, I I went and dug out my life insurance policies to make sure they're paid up, that I'm going to leave something with my wife just in case this is the end and I'm, I'm going to pass away. I was, I was in a mess. I lived a horrible two weeks. I'm not kidding. I was stressed. I was, I was angry. I was like titchy. I was like, just don't mess with me. I'm like, you didn't want to live with me. And then I was just like, I was just not a happy camper. And I, I go back two weeks later and this lady loves to pray for me and my family. She spends more time praying for me and my family than she does examining me. And I sit down, and I'm like, hi, Dr. Chang. And she goes, hello. She goes, how are you doing? And I'm like, good. What's going on? And she goes, can I pray for your daughters today? And inside, I'm like, no. 
you. So, oh, Father, we just lift Emma to you. And we lift Sophie and we lift Charlotte. And we just thank you, God, that you love them. And I'm like, I'm here for me. <laughs> and she finishes this long prayer. And, she, and I'm like, all right, look, come on, let's have a look. And she comes up. And she's, hmm. It's just what I thought. And I'm like, what, what? Do I have cancer? She goes, you've got dandruff. <laughs> she said, do you know what your remedy is? She goes, you just need to change your shampoo and you're good to go. <laughs> she said, that's all it is, is you've got a little bit of dandruff in there and it's just making it go all flaky and lumpy. Change the shampoo and I haven't had a problem since. And I realized how much the devil had his way in my life with my thoughts. I had lost my peace. I was a mess. I'm like, ah, this is, you know, like I'm going to die. I had allowed myself to go down this path that wasn't necessary. I had partnered with the spirit of fact. I wasn't partnering with truth. I had partnered with death. I thought I was going to die. I really thought that this is the end. And I thought this is ridiculous. See, how often do we partner with the wrong spirit. See, I started pondering on. I, 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 so I know, I know what it is to ponder with the wrong spirit. I'm not standing here saying oh, I've never done it. It's like I do do it, and I have to fight against not doing it because. The facts keep coming. The storms keep coming. I have storms hitting me all the time, but I've learned to sleep in them. So I, 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 I get this revelation, like Jesus says in the Bible, he says, we have peace, that we have peace with God, that we are at peace with God. See, we cannot give away what we do not know we have. If you do not know that you're at peace with God, how can you ever give away the peace of God? If you don't know that the Prince of Peace lives in you, what are you giving away when you're trying to give away the torment and the storm that you live in? And maybe, maybe that's why we're not seeing prayers because answered because your inner reality is not, your external reality is bigger than your inner reality. We need an inner reality that can walk into a room and calm the storm that it walks into. See, I, I believe, I, I am of the opinion this is, sound, this is not necessarily all, but in the case of mental illness, now that is a, a large subject, that is a large broad stroke of many, many conditions, is that we're not teaching the gospel in church. There's many churches. The Lord woke me six months ago and he said, many people are preaching the Bible, but not many are preaching the gospel. Preach the gospel. We're not preaching the gospel in church, and we wonder why the church has got so many mental issues going on. Statistics now tell us that 25% of the world has mental illness. The church statistics are no better. It is the same that 25% of us are struggling with mental illness. Now let me propose this to you. Are we struggling with mental illness because we don't know that we have peace with God? 
But yet the church is trying to get peace with God. They're doing, well, I just need peace. I just need peace. I just need peace. I need peace with God. It's like we are looking for God. Maybe we should start looking inside us and recognize that God actually, this is the habitation. This is the dwelling place of God that you do not need peace with God. You are already at peace with God. Has Jesus become our savior or has the church? Because the church isn't going to bring you peace. The church is going to bring you trouble. (laughs) Not this church. (laughs) I mean the church around the corner. And if you're from that one, I didn't mean that one. I mean. (laughs) See, what more would happen if we actually realized that we are at peace with God and we are not going to allow anything to rob our peace. I tell you, as a healing minister, it's the biggest thing that I find in the body of Christ today is that people don't have peace. They come up and they say, I got cancer and I think I'm going to die. And it's like, it's like I, I, I understand. I have been there. Sickness is overrated. Jesus isn't. Let's get our eyes off the problem and let's get them on the answer. Let's get them off the fact and get it on the truth. What's the truth? He is our healer. I haven't met a problem yet that's bigger than Jesus. Amen? If you've met a problem that's bigger than Jesus, you've probably got the wrong Jesus. I haven't met a problem yet that's bigger than Jesus. See, what we will exalt is what will rule. What we turn our attention to, you're either going to exalt the problem or you're going to exalt the answer. Who are you exalting? I want to be in a place where I'm learning to exalt the answer in all circumstances. See, Romans 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, Peace with God is not something we need to try and get. It says we already have peace with God. It's the peace with God that brings the peace of God, which guards our hearts and our minds. See, we need to have peace in all circumstances of life. The Bible tells us to pursue peace with all people. Romans 12, 18, to live peacefully as possible with all men. Uh, Mark 4, we already spoke about this, about having, having peace in the storms of life. It says that we need to have peace and provision. How many of us lose our peace when we lose our money? When money's a little tight and we're feeling a little broke, it's like, well, I just lost my peace. It's like I don't have the bills. I don't have the money to pay the power bill this month. And it's like we wonder why we're in mental anguish because we lose our peace and we begin to look for a peace. And God is like, God, I need your peace, my friend. You already have it. Start recognizing the one that lives in you. See, Jesus never lost his peace. We see Jesus even in, even in provision. The disciples are like, Jesus, how are we going to pay for the temple tax? I'll just catch that fish. You'll find a gold coin in his mouth. I mean, Jesus wasn't like, oh, good question. <laughs> we better go and rob a bank. <laughs> 
the disciples bring some food to the, the party. Jesus, he says, like, feed the crowd. But we only got a couple of fish. And Jesus didn't go like, oh, God. I need all of you to run to every bakery in town. And I need you to get your fishing nets out and start fishing, get the bakers to make the loaves. We'll see you back in a couple of hours and make sure you come back or something. Or oh, these people are going to kill me. See, the disciples lose their peace. He says, ah, bring it to me. And he multiplies with thanksgiving. He gives thanks and he multiplies, he multiplies the bread and he multiplies the food and he feeds the multitudes. See, the disciples, hey, Jim, could you give me a drink, please? The, the disciples must have, they must have been wondering, how did he do that? Here we are acting like imbeciles, losing our peace. We lost it on the boat. Don't you feel stupid, John? <laughs> He just stood up and he's like, why can't we do that? Because the inner reality was not as big as the external reality. We lost it over the temple tax. How did he, how did he know the, the, the gold coin is in the fish's mouth? We lost it in feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000. How did he, how did he know? How did he do that? And here's my key verse of the evening. Turn with me to John 14, 27. John 14, verse 27. See, they've just gone through all these scenarios. You cannot tell me they weren't wondering how he did it and they couldn't. And then Jesus turns and he says this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives you peace do I give you. Let not your heart be afraid, troubled, or neither let it be afraid. I want to tell you what peace isn't. Peace isn't the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Peace is not as much as we need physical peace, but peace that I'm talking about is not laying on the beach in Hawaii with your feet up singing Kumbaya, my Lord, listening to the waves roll in. The peace I'm talking about is the peace of God, which is a militant peace. It's standing in who you know you are. It is standing and knowing that he is in you, that he is the prince of peace, that he took up a habitation inside you, that you actually have authority over the storms that come in your life. And Jesus says, my peace I give you, my peace I leave you. How many of you know that English is not God's first language? It's New Zealand. Right, Craig? My Aussie friend? I spent months pondering on that verse because if English is not God's first language, I wonder what he was actually saying. 
So I studied it. I studied it for months and months and months, word by word. And this is what it means. Peace in ancient Hebrew means shalom. And shalom is a pretty widespread word. It means fullness. It means complete. It means a bunch of stuff. But in ancient Hebrew, it means this. The spirit that destroys chaos. And the next word, he says, I leave. A very simple word, but I'm like, I wonder if there's a hidden meaning in that, so I study it. Leave in ancient Hebrew means bequest. It's, a, it's an old word. It's a, it's a very old word. Like Most people wouldn't even know what bequest means, but I had to look that up. Bequest means like a rich man would inherit give an inheritance of everything he owns to someone. My peace, my shalom, the spirit that destroys chaos, I inherited to you. This is what he's saying to the disciples, I inherited to you. Now for you mathematicians, this won't work out. Let's just say, you logical people, let's just say that Jesus has a million bucks. And it's inheritance day and there's a million of us in the room. What does that mean? Dollar each. But that's not, the power of that word is not what that means. It means you get a million, you get a million, you get a million. It means every one of us becomes who he is. My peace, the spirit that destroys chaos, I bequest to you. See, that spirit that he was able to speak to the storm at and calm the storm and produce money out of nothing and food out of nothing to feed the 5,000, he gave it to us. See, how aware are you of the Prince of Peace that lives in you? You can only give away what you know you've got. So I'm, I'm processing through all of this, and I'm like, maybe, just maybe, Prayers for praying for children with autism have just become way too complex. I, I picked up a book at a conference. I was joining, I had a joint conference with someone. I'm not going to tell you obviously who it is. And they had a book on how to heal autism. That's not the real title, because I don't want to tell you what the real title is. One, because I don't want you to buy it. And two, I don't want to be dishonorable to the other speaker. And I pick up the book and I'm like, well, I'm interested. I, I'd seen some fruit and I'm like, I'm interested. And it says, the page I open it up to, it says this. You hold them firmly by the head. And you rebuke the spirit of infirmity out of them. And you command that thing to come out. And I'm like, it's not what I do. So I asked her, I'm like, Hey, uh, just reading your book on autism, and I just wondered, uh, can I ask a question? How many have you seen healed? She goes, oh, none yet. And I'm like, hmm. Did you know that in all the kids that we've seen breakthrough in, that not one of them I've tried to cast anything out of? 
Because it's perfect love that casts out fear. What if we just became so aware of the reality of Jesus in us? Because we can only give away what we know we've got. And if you don't know you've got Jesus and the peace of heaven, how can you give the peace of heaven away? So I just started ministering to these kids, and this is my prayer. Father, I just bless this child right now with the peace of heaven. I just declare the shalom of heaven, that the peace of heaven be upon that brain, and we call that child into the destiny that you've created that child to be. That's it. Brandon, story number one in the book, 30-second prayer. He walked out healed that night. He is the one that said, I don't want to be healed because I don't want my artistic skill to be taken away. And his mother said, do you not think God's bigger than that? He stands there, he gets prayed for, and the thing goes. The little boy in Hawaii in 2008 in Honolulu, a simple prayer like that. My peace I give unto you. Goes to bed as a child with autism and he wakes up completely whole in the morning. 56 breakthroughs. I'd like to tell you that every child I've prayed for has been healed. That is not the case. I'm not standing here thinking I'm an expert in this area. But man, I am so thankful that we've seen 56 breakthroughs. And I realize something. Mental illness is having its way in the world and it's having the way in the church. Is it because we don't know that we're at peace with God? Because if you don't know that you're at peace with God, you're like a cat chasing your tail trying to pursue something you're never going to catch because you've already got it. It's called charismatic gymnastics. I think it's time to put the gospel back in the church and we start celebrating in the works, the finished works of Jesus Christ. So I thought this, so I'm seeing some breakthrough with autism. I saw breakthrough with a little girl with cerebral palsy, got out of a wheelchair and she walked and she never went back in it. And that was the prayer. Shalom. It wasn't anything magical along. So I didn't feel the like heaven like, oh. <laughs> Just put out my skinny little fingers. Shalom. Bless you. We bless you, Amanda, in Jesus' name. I go to England. This is probably three years ago. I had a really long day. I'd been up all night. I'd been up for two nights in a row, all night. One night because I couldn't sleep because I was clock watching because I had to get up at four in the morning. And then I get on the plane and couldn't sleep the whole way to England. This skipped my second night's sleep. I land at a friend's house. I have a shower. I put on my suit. I go to government. I had an appointment in the government house with a, with a politician who has, he has the autism awareness, the politician in charge of like autism, you know, health, autism. I have a meeting with him. I go to lunch. I go to a church, I preach that night, I get in a car, I drive three hours to the next city, and now I'm being up for over 48 hours. 
I go to bed and I can't sleep. Because my body is obviously telling me, I'm, I was so jet lagged, I've got so much better at it. I'm into my third day with just a couple of naps. I go to the conference, starts Friday night. I'm preaching. And at the end, I'm done. I, I am physically and I'm mentally hitting the wall. And I'm looking around for my driver. I'm like, I've got to get out of here before I punch someone. <laughs> I just got to go. And I can't find my driver. And I can't find my past, the pastor. And I'm like, I've so got to go. And through the crowd, I see a lady walking towards me who has obvious mental health issues. She, was, she looked like a mess. And I'm like, oh, God, not tonight. <laughs> Please, not tonight. Mercy. <laughs> and I'm like, where's my interns? <laughs> Somebody intervene. And I look around, and my interns are all busy praying for people. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Here she comes. Oh, no. And she stands in front of me, and she says, can you pray for me? And I'm like, yeah, of course. I tell you, on the outside, I was the man of power. But on the inside, I was the man of flower. <laughs> there wasn't anything inside. My, my piece had gone to the hotel at least five hours earlier and was asleep <laughs> on the pillow. I knew I had nothing to give her. And I said, I'm trying to put on the face, you know, the mask, the poker face. I'm like, how can, how can I pray for you? And she says, I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm a schizophrenic. I have disassociate identity disorder. I have body morphic disorder. I have anorexia nervosa. And I'm like... And she said, I have a torn hip. And while under the doctor's examination, the doctor rapes me on his table. She said, I am the 1% worst case patients of post-traumatic stress disorder that they've ever seen in the United Kingdom. She said, I have a letter from the doctor that says, I'm a mess and I need to be institutionalized to be a safety to community. I've got the letter on my iPad. It is not a very nice reading letter. She says she is the worst 1%. She is a mess. Do you think you can do something? Inside, I'm like, nope. <laughs> on the outside, of course. And this is my dialogue between me and God now. I'm like, God, why me? Why couldn't you send it tomorrow? I just see I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. And God, with a loving, disciplined clip behind the ears, says, you just forgot who you are. He said, you forgot John 14, 27, the revelation I gave you just a few weeks ago that you're seen autism healed with. 
basically told me to back up and get on with the job. He said, you're th- he said you think your piece is at the hotel, asleep on the pillow. Your piece never left you. He said, because I am in habitation with you. I can't leave you because you and I are one. You're a union with me. And he says, now heal her. And I said, her name's Beverly. And I said, Beverly, let's pray. I put my hand, I, I swear to God, this is the prayer. I put my hand on her head and I said, my peace I give unto you. My, my peace came back from the hotel. I was never there. I mean, it's just a, <laughs> it, was never at, it was never at the hotel. I just forgot it was here. I said, my peace I give unto you. She said, oh, by the way, she has suicidal voices every minute of every day. All the day, telling her to kill herself, kill herself, kill herself. I said, Shalom. I speak peace to that mind right now in the name of Jesus. I silence every voice. And I declare that the Prince of Peace lives in you. God bless you. Good night. (laughs) And I ran to the door and I ran to the hotel and went to bed. Friday night. Sunday, somebody sends me a Facebook message and says, did you hear what happened to Beverly? And I'm like, no. And they said, look on her Facebook. And I went to her Facebook and we weren't friends, so I couldn't see what she wrote. So I friended her and I messaged her and said, hey, it's Chris here. I got told I should contact you. And she goes, yes. Do you want to know what happened? And I'm like, yes. She said, I'm healed. And I'm like, I'm doing the pastor thing now. Like, don't, don't come off your drugs. <laughs> like, let the doctor t- let your doctor take you off your drugs. Go back to the doctor. Like I'm just being Mr. Pastor now, you know. And she goes, no, don't worry. I'm not going to come off my drugs. I'll go see my doctor. She said, something has shifted. I know I'm healed. Now I- I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate in that 24 hours after. But I'm going to get really excited when it's six months down the track when I can see she's really walked it out. And I'm like, contact me when you've seen your doctor. So she goes to see the doctor. She Facebooks me and she goes, Chris. She said, the doctor thinks I'm madder than ever. (laughs) She said, because the doctor said you don't get healed of things like that, just like that. She said, I want a referral back to the head psychiatric doctor. She gets a referral about two months later, and she goes back and she sees the head psychiatric doctor, and, I've, and then he wrote to me, or he wrote to her, I've got the letter. He said, I reviewed Beverly today. Beverly is essentially back to her normal self. It happened after she received prayer from a California, from a healing minister in California. I cannot medically or scientifically explain this, The letter goes on. Beverly has been discharged from my clinic. 